Welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years. Now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, independent college counselor and school counselor at St. Henry District High School in Erlanger, Kentucky. I'm here with Joel Ford, school counselor at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. With us today is Mike Piergalski, English teacher at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, podcast producer, an occasional contributing co-host who is not at all optional when it comes to the success of this podcast. You sure it's not whom? Just just checking. You're the English you're the English guy. We'll get into that later. Who okay. versus whom, good all versus right. well. It's gonna be awesome. All right. Chris, we're in the heart of admission season right now. It's Halloween today, uh, which means tomorrow, November one. Oh yeah, November one. I don't Most know about fun you. day of the year. Yep. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing some common topics with my senior class are some issues. Um, and so I thought for our opening segment today, let's take just a minute and talk about some things maybe that we're seeing in our counseling offices. Yeah, sure. So let's, do um, let's, let's do it. So I'll, I'll go through each bullet point and then, then we'll, we'll see if we're seeing the same things. Okay. So First, wait, am I, am I waiting? Yes. Until the bullet points are over. Wait, and uh, then. each bullet point. Each bullet point, I'm going to say something possibly. Yes. All right. All right. One, less participation for virtual visits at school versus um, on-campus visits. So when your college reps are visiting virtually versus if they're in person. We're all in person for visits right now, and but, but attendance is low. And then all, and all the reps who come in are kind of saying, like, this is par for the course. We have, like, maybe six people sign up. In the past, we would have 15. And then and then out of the six, two show up. I mean, it's, right. it's, I'm laughing a little bit but because it, it, I'm embarrassed when, when college reps come in and, and it's like that. But I'm just seeing less, less participation in general with, from the students. Do we have any idea why? Uh, I haven't well, figured it out. Well, I haven't figured it out. I, you know, my, what I, my gut – my gut is that they're just done. They're tapped out. Mm-hmm. They're tapped out. They just can't. They don't have the capacity to like just even think about. It seems easy for us, you know. We're in the grind, and we're this is our job. But it's like I just can't handle that right now. They've been overwhelmed. I don't think we can underestimate like how much COVID really has done to students and their mentality. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're kind of tapped out. They just can't fit that in. Okay. Their brain. Another thing. Um, I'm still seeing some confusion over test optional policies. Um, what if the scores are, are defaulted on the transcript? Well, uh, high schools need to stop doing that. Shouldn't put test scores on transcripts. Students own those scores. They should be able to send them as they want. So I had, a, I, had a, I had a little discussion with your district last year about, about that. Like it just and they, and they fixed it which is the only time anyone's ever listened to me, which is amazing. But test scores shouldn't be on transcripts. That's Chris Reeves, P.O. Box. Okay, (laughs) next bullet. Uh, Some of my kids are are talking about, you know, when they're looking at study abroad options, just some confusion right now, what's going to be available in COVID world. Yeah, I haven't had a lot of talk about it. I do have one student I work with, one family I work with independently, whose daughter is – 
up at sea, and yeah. it's kind of cool. The boat's broken right now, but they're fixing it, and then they'll be back <laughs> at sea. But but uh, but I now I haven't had that many talks. That's cool that you have though. Yeah. Um, this one is this is a constant. This isn't anything to do with COVID. But how do I pay for college without amassing a large amount of student debt? Yeah, I've had a lot of talks. I had a lot like of that. talks about that. Uh, it's it's. I think it is playing a bigger role in final decisions as well. Mm-hmm. Come May, I think that talk is even even bigger, and I have more and more students who are getting admitted to and capable of going all over the country who stay in Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, to take advantage of the rate and less debt, uh, saving debt for graduate school, those that kind of logic. Yeah, definitely, Joel. Definitely a lot of talks about that. All right. I don't know about you, and I won't mention any names uh, because that just wouldn't be cool, but... Um, I did see some colleges that were a little bit slow in posting their merit aid requirements for this senior class. Yes. Or, or just merit aid in general, what the aid was going to be. Yes. Made, made it a little hard to start working with those eager students right at the beginning of the year when we didn't know what the latest information really was going to be. I need to stay quieter on this. I will tell you the answer is yes. Okay. Um, also, having discussions with underclassmen right now who don't know what the admissions requirements, including test optional, uh, will be for their senior years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a conversation, not just with current seniors, for sure. Yeah. And that's the impetus of this episode for us, because that is the number one question in our office, period, whether I should submit my score or not. Right. And then finally, um, and this is uh, from a fellow counselor in my office that's our ACT uh, coordinator. We're a test site for ACTs. Um, She's just noted that she's seeing lower, lower attendance and registrations for ACTs on Saturday. I'm Um, I'm not involved in any of that. I know that we just had like a a mandatory one school-wide. Well, it it was, it was an opt in for one grade mandatory for the other grade, but I, I, I'm not sure, but I believe it. Right. Yeah, uh, and just for the listeners, um, you know, we, like I said, we're a test site for all seven ACTs. Uh, where our school is located, uh, we we pull students not only from from Kentucky, but also um, you could pretty much uh, throw a rock from our school and hit Indiana and Ohio as well. So we pull uh, some kids from those areas as well, and we're just not seeing as many kids um, in general from anywhere. Um, coming in on Saturday. So now I think you pretty much, I mean, you planned this little segment and I think you pretty much nailed like 80% of my conversations that, that I've, that I've been having. Yeah. Anything so. else that you're seeing then? No, I just, I added that, that point about fewer students showing up for the live visits. Um, I mean, a lot of my students, I kind of, they kind of are shrinking their scope of search. You know, I've got a few who still want to look all over the country, but the practical side of paying for college is coming in a little more on the front end right now than than on the back end. A lot of times, you know how it is, Joel, it comes in on the back end where you have, in terms I don't necessarily like all the time, but but like my safety schools or my likely schools or whatever, um, that's just a small part of the application process. And then maybe they end up going to a school that's more affordable at the end of the year. But right now, I think people are are kind of making not that they're not applying to a, some places that are 
could end up more expensive. I just think it's that discussion's happening earlier, yeah. and they're just saying, you know what, we already know. <laughs> we already right. know out-of-state publics are going to cost too much, and we're not going to necessarily even like look that direction. Right. Well, so. and I, I know I've had kids who I know are looking at School X and will say, well, I've already, I've already been on campus, so I don't need to come to this visit. Um, oh, and, yeah. And so, yeah. We're, you know, we're losing kids that way where normally they would still sit in and, and see if there was any more information that they could get. Um, they're just not choosing to um, right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing some of that as well, even from our schools where we send healthy numbers of students. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. Cool. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll jump into the topic of the year. Test optional admissions. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I know. But first, this reminder that Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford is part of the NACAC College Admissions Podcast Hub, where you can find a variety of podcasts that delve into the world of college admissions. Check out Ken Anselman's The ALP Admissions Leadership Podcast, where he, and I quote, hosts a series of one-on-one conversations with people who have been climbing the leadership mountain in the world of college admissions. Some are nearing the summit, some are already there, but how did they get there? And what can other climbers learn from their mindsets, habits, and experiences? Ken and the ALP received the 2021 John B. Muir Award at the 2021 NACAT Conference, so you know you need to check it out. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Chris, the admissions landscape has and continues to change constantly. Yes, sir. I, I want to bring in, uh, we're going to go through some data. Um, I want to, for this particular segment, talking about what we've seen in the world of test optional admissions. Um, Forbes, I, the first article I want to cite, uh, reported that, quote, the number of students who took the ACT in 2021 declined by 22% from the previous year, a drop of more than 375,000 students. Um, In addition, 32% of the ACT graduating class took the standardized exam more than once in 2021 compared to 41%. Um, So not only do you have less kids taking it, you had less kids taking it multiple times, apparently. Um, So, you know, we both talked about what the next episode should be, and we both felt like we needed to come back to something that we talked about earlier. Uh, so let's get back into the concept of test optional admissions. But this time, test optional admissions 2.0. Uh, Chris, just as a reminder for our audience, can you give us a quick recap of what exactly the term test optional means? Absolutely. And remember, we, we published this, produced, published, whatever you call it, this this episode, our first test optional episode and it came out in January or February of 2020, which was right yeah. before COVID hit and the whole world changed. So that's why we're on 2.0. And if you remember, the, the discussion then was, is this a fad or do we think this might be something that is going to really take off? Right. And then, yeah. COVID, and then COVID hit. And then well, COVID changes everything. So that's just right. all the patterns, all the everything disappears. But all right. So... For listeners, test optional is a very broad term that can be a variety of things. Uh, but the basic idea is you don't send your test scores. 
and it, it, well, it's optional, obviously test optional, but if you don't send your test scores, colleges will still evaluate you, maybe even offer scholarships based on how you've performed in high school. Perhaps the recommendations play a bigger role. The essays play a bigger role. Um, obviously the courses you choose to take your grade point average and, and even possibly, and I'm sure I can't wait till we get, uh, our guest on here because I'm, I'm curious about whether even the strength of high school can play a role in, in this kind of predictive analysis. You're trying to figure out, okay, here are the students who are going to be successful. Who are the students we want in our school? And we're going to remove a, a data point and use all the other data points to figure this out. Uh, but it's, you can be test optional for admissions, test optional for scholarship. And then and then there are some places in schools where you don't need your score to get in, but then to get into a certain department or a certain program, you have to have a test score for that. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have schools that are that are test blind, meaning we don't want your score. Don't send it. And if you do, we're not going to look at it. Right. Uh, it can be a little confusing, but if you remember, there are like six or seven. If you want the deets on all of this, go back and listen to episode 1.0 because it's pretty complicated. But in summary, if I've made it more confusing in this last section, it's because that's how confusing it is. Right. And it's a whole, a whole range of we demand your test score to we will refuse to look at your test score. And it's everything in between, every possible combination. And you have to study it school by school. Right. Now, when we talked about it back in episode 11, like I said, we were talking about whether it was a fad or a trend. Right. COVID happened, um, you know, and I talked before about our registrations are down. Um, and, and then I looked at fairtest.org. Um, they cite that over 1,700 colleges and universities are not requiring test scores for fall 2022, including two-thirds of bachelor's degree-granting institutions. Um, so I'm going to go in and declare that test optional admissions is not a fad, uh, but it is indeed currently a trend. You heard um, it here first, folks. You heard it. Breaking news. Breaking news. But here's the bigger question. <laughs> if and when COVID relieves us of its presence and the world moves on from it, then what? Will test optional end or is it here to stay? Um, and before we even get to that question, I think we need to know um, and talk about what we know about uh, test optional admissions right now in the world of COVID, um, if that's okay with you. So I want to just give just some statistics and things that I found in research, and, and I won't bog us down with tons, but I think there are some numbers that are important. Um, and keep in mind that test optional admissions started in 1970. Chris, do you know what school? Bowdoin College in there Maine. There you go, Thank in you. Maine. Um, and so there were a small number of liberal arts schools that followed suit. Um, so it's been around for 50 years. Um, you know, so it's not a new thing. Right. So I started looking at some numbers. Um, and let's start uh, with the Ivy Leagues. Um, Isn't that where we always that's start? That's where we always have to start, even, <laughs> th that, even though that shouldn't be the case. But, um, right. you know, overall, they found that applications submitted went way up. And because of that, acceptance rates went down. Now, right. I would say, how can you go down from single digits? 
And the answer is you go to lower single digits. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. You know, yes. In, instead of the six to eight percent admit rate range, I mean, we're seeing Harvard was as low as three point four percent admit. Weren't applications up like forty and fifty percent? Yeah. Based on test optional policies. But but what we found was that applications were up, but applicants weren't necessarily up by the same token. So, Wait, you know, what do you the, mean by that? I, that means the same kids are applying to more places. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right, so more applications are going out. You get on the Common App and you just start throwing it out there. And then and, and when you, in the past, you kind of knew that you're 27, which, by the way, is a really good ACT score, for right. the record. Uh, you're 27, wasn't going to cut it for Harvard because you, just, you look at the common data set and you realize, well, you know, basically nobody gets it with that number. You were like, well, I don't need to put that score in. And I'm a great student. Um, I've done all these activities. I've done all these things. I've overcome these obstacles. So now I'm going to send my score. Right. And, or I'm sorry, I'm going to apply without right. sending my score. Right, right. But, but it, the, the number of individual students submitting didn't go up by the same amount. Interesting. So, interesting. Col you know, Columbia's applications were up 51%, Harvard's 42%, um, Penn, Yale, Dartmouth, 33%. The lowest one out of the list was Princeton, but, but that was still a 15% increase. You know, um, I just, I feel so bad, Joel, for all the hard work the admissions officers really have to put in, you know, with all these extra applications. I don't know. I'm being cynical and being funny because... It's. I mean, it actually does make the job harder. But I see this as. I see this as a good thing. I mean, I. I might. I'm happy when. I'm happy when a student aspires to to go somewhere and applies. And I'm. I mean, get to the punchline. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the tests. And I. I think there are way better ways to evaluate students than than ACT and SAT. But now students who felt like they never had a chance feel like they do. Right. Um, but of course, now we're getting, but then. Did they really? <laughs> did they really have a chance? Right. Like that's like, I'm. did they, did they really have one? That's what I'm a little concerned about. You know, did they just feel like they had a chance? Um, I think, okay, you've got a pretty pointed article from the Philadelphia Inquirer. That could get us started, get us started on, on a deeper, more critical dive. Right. Uh, and don't let me forget, after you do this, I want to talk about the NACAC session I was in in Seattle. All right. Will do. So this Philadelphia Inquirer article, um, I'll, I'll read just a, a little bit of it. Okay. Um, so um, as, as colleges disclose their admissions for the class of 2025, the data shows that applicants uh, who submitted standardized test scores have a leg up. For example, Georgetown only admitted 7.34% of early applicants who didn't have test scores. Uh, for the University of Pennsylvania, the percentage was higher, 24%, but still overall low. As more colleges adopt test optional admissions policies, more applicants are taking them at their word. Of students who applied via the Common App through February 15th, only 44% submitted ACT or SAT scores, down from 77%. But as the data shows, uh, optional really means preferred. Applicants who take standardized tests do gain a competitive advantage of providing the university with more data points to assess. If colleges were truly committed, according to this article, to not uh, preferencing resource students as evidenced by test scores, maybe they should adopt a test blind policy 
and not look at test scores at all. Um, and, and the article goes on to say that um, test optional uh, helps universities appear considerate to applicants uh, in terms of SES levels and pandemic realities, um, but it doesn't translate into maybe what actually is going on. That's pretty, um, it's pretty, pretty intense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, pretty pointed. I mean, I have a few questions about the article. Um, it's, let's see, what is the, what was the Georgetown thing? Admitted only 7.34% of early applicants mm -hmm. who did not have test scores. Yeah. But it doesn't really go into comparing that to how many applicants applied right. who didn't have test scores. I mean, what if the difference isn't that significant? I think you can make, you know, every person who writes an article wants to make their own point. So it's just like everything, Joel, we kind of take it, read it see if that sparks conversation. I know, I know you didn't read that as like, okay, this is what we believe now, Sure. but as a, as a way to kind of spur on some conversations. Yeah. You know, here's a couple other data points just to throw out there. The Heckinger okay. report um, in April, 2021 found that test optional admissions increased uh, the share of black Latino and native American students by only one percentage point at about a hundred colleges and universities really? that adopted the policy. And that was over a 10-year period, uh, basically between 0506 and 1560. With test-optional schools. Right. Uh, the share of low-income students as measured by those who qualified for federal Pell Grants also increased by only 1%. Um, it did um, increase the share of women who already made up a majority of students on the campuses that were looked at by four percentage points. Um, test-optional policies, they say, um, especially benefited women because they've historically had lower test scores but higher grades than men, hmm. you know. Um, and I okay. think, you know, just to kind of summarize, um, I think the, the idea is that test optional was supposed to allegedly, like, um, open the doors for so many more students uh, to be able to apply and get into schools. And the numbers really don't seem to be supporting that in a variety well, of articles. Yeah, man, there's so many things to think about with that. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure you, you need a policy to admit different types of students. <laughs> you know, like I don't think test optional is necessarily like, oh, this is the thing that's now going to get a, an admissions office to admit more students who – are in different socioeconomic levels or different ethnicities. Right. Um, All right. So, okay. Here's your reminder. Tell us about the NACAC session. All right. Look, this is probably not smart to do on a podcast that people are going to listen to, but I didn't quite understand the data that was in this presentation, but I'm going to try to explain the point this person was trying to make. Okay. Um, and, and, and part of it, I mean, I, I, it's, not like I, it's not like I don't understand like the, the things going on, but the sample size was only 21 or 22 colleges reporting their acceptance rates for students who did not submit scores versus overall acceptance rate. Uh, and, and then the, the presenter calculated what was called a testing advantage factor. Like that was the thing. They just kind of made that up. Testing advantage factor. Okay. 
that's that's how he calculated that is is not quite what understood. Um, I mean, I understood his point, but what he was saying, for example, Northeastern University scored a zero percent, which is a good thing. It means there was no advantage to sending your score. Mm-hmm. Basically, an equal number, equal percentages of students who submitted test scores got in. The same percentage of students who did not submit test scores were admitted. So, for example, you know, maybe it's Northeastern might be a percentage like, you know, 11 or 12 percent, something like that. Uh, 12 percent of submitters got in, 12 percent of non-submitters got in. So at that point, there's no advantage to sending your score or not. Truly test optional in a sense. But... um, Emory, on the other hand, scored a 123%, which means it was a great advantage to send your test score to Emory. Um, and there were all kinds of schools in between. And But the point was, and I did agree with the point this gentleman was trying to make, which is test optional is too broad. Now we need to divide that up. We need to break that up into, at, least, at, the, at the minimum, test neutral, test aware, and test preferred. Imagine how complicated this, as a side note, this is for families. Or like, are you kidding me? A a family without resources, a family without, you know, a a good high school counselor who doesn't have like 700 people to take on, you know? Um, So how do you, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you explain this to folks? But at any rate, test optional could be test neutral, test aware and test preferred thoughts, Mr. Ford. Well, and I even called you earlier in the year. I had a school visit that used the word, I think it was test flexible. And I sat there at the time and went, what's that? Like test flexible, test flexible. Like if you've got a test score, we'd love to see it, but we don't have to see it. But if you got one, we'd like to, okay, whatever. How do I know who is who, whom, who, forget it. How do I know which college does what? How do I tell a student? Um, for each college, you got to look up and, and have your dictionary of test optional terms to figure out what the, what the thing is. So here's my suggestion. Two terms, test yes, test no. Either you want to see the test or you don't want to see the test. Not sometimes, not on Tuesdays, not during Halloween, just yes or no. So you'd say test blind or not. Exactly. Maybe exactly. you're right. Exactly. Because it's all freaking confusing. I can tell you that. You know what I need? We need a break and an expert. Yep. So when we get back, let's talk to someone who is right in the middle of the world of admissions. Right after we take this quick break. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Chris, you know what to do. How about you introduce today's guest for us? I would love to. It's somebody for me who is not just a colleague, but a really good friend. 
And it's David Burge, Vice President for Enrollment Management at George Mason University and former president of the National Association for College Admission Counseling. He has also served various positions at Arizona State University, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and the University of Kansas, as well as consultant for Noel Levitz. David has a master's degree in educational leadership and administration and a bachelor's degree in English, both from the University of Kansas. Now he gets to add to his LinkedIn profile that he has been a two-time guest on the Get Schooled podcast. Right right at the top of your job listing. It's it's I've actually do you mind if we take a moment before we start? Can I do that on the LinkedIn now? Can you just get, <laughs> if you hear some clicks on my audio, that's what it is. All right. That's it's probably a smart thing to do. Maybe change your profile pic too. <laughs> and my <laughs> password while I'm in there. It's just a good idea. Just you know, change your password every once in a while. There you go. Let's take care of these things now. Awesome. David, we're glad to have you, and we want to get right into the question that I think we still hear the most from students and parents. Based on the evidence seen so far, is test optional really test optional, or is it some type of trick to make colleges look more inclusive? Um, so the, the, the short answer is a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, my friends. Uh, I do think that there are institutions and places where you find an authentic absence of influence from the test. But there are, there are, that's far from the, uh, from being uniform across the institution. So when you look, and and actually part of what's my beef about this is that in a lot of cases, the burden has been on the students themselves to identify that path at the point of application, right? So it's it's not like the simple model that you laid out just a few minutes ago. It is, it, if I'm a student, I have to make the choice, do I decide to apply in an admission category or not? And that admission category can be test optional. And and that's just, I'm going to call shenanigans on that. Um, because then, then that then that creates the confusion because you you put the choice, I think, a little too far in the in the student's corner to understand this whole mess. Wow, that's dropping bombs, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, and, no, I d- just didn't even think of that angle where there's a local school. Oh, this one is a positive thing, so we'll we'll throw it out there. Um, the University of Kentucky will basically, with their merit scholarships, they give the kids the best deal. Right. So, so admission, it's not it's not highly selective admission. But but they will give the students the best deal based on the grid for test optional scholarships and the grid for submitting test score scholarships. That's a change, too. Like that's a growth stance that I think is most often found in mature test optional programs. So let me drop some Mason data on, on you. for a Yeah, minute. that'd be great. So, Thank you. So I work for George Mason University, about thirty nine thousand students, um, comprehensive research one just outside Washington, D.C., right? Now, now, I've only been there for six years. Test optional has lived at George Mason University since 2007. So it, it's, it, is a, it is a mature program in the sense of how it, how it thinks about test optional. However, when I got there in 2015, only about one in 10 students were actually admitted under that test optional banner. And it was still one of those opt-in situations where a student had to make the choice to actually not send the score versus... Uh, let's say, just simply submitting an application and, and letting the chips fall where they may, which is a little bit more like we are now. 
So, so that, so again, one in 10. Now, by the time we got up to 2020, we had been making some very deliberate moves to where one in four of our admitted students were actually coming in test optional. And, and that translates into about 20% of our entire enrollment and that begin as freshmen are coming in under test optional. Now you called it Reeves, which is the, the, the absence there, the change that hadn't been made yet is the merit scholarship piece. Because even in 2016, when one in 10 students coming to Mason were admitted under test optional, only, only a third of those were receiving some sort of merit scholarship as part of their award, right? So, so you're blocking out a big chunk of a small chunk of students in the mix. And, and this goes back, I mean, if I could comment on what you mentioned on the, in the first segment. Anything, about, yes, please. About why, why are colleges right now slow to, to be transparent on their merit scholarship? And I think is a lot of them still don't know how to make that work without a test score. I was shocked last year that we we weren't already talking about how merit scholarships change relate when when the number of test takers dropped right like at Mason we spent you know we probably like four people in in four different rooms at the time all around Virginia um, discussing this to just figure out how do we award scholarships still without having the test score and just just removing it altogether most of, many institutions didn't make that move until last summer. Yeah, we've a, seen, I, I've got go a question. Ahead, was it a financial issue too to see how much money now you were going to be giving out to in a test optional world versus with the scores? Joel, you're absolutely right. So, so from my calculus, right, I'm I'm an enrollment manager. I've got accountability around an institutional aid budget, meaning I can't give away money that the institution doesn't say that I have to give away. And we wrap up a big chunk of our uh, of that budget in merit scholarships for people. We do a lot in, a, in merit aid too. I don't want to discount that, but for purposes of this conversation, thinking purely about the merit. And then at the end of the, and so these these models that colleges have used to award scholarships are very predictable and very reliable. And there are there are firms that have trained colleges and universities how to how to use these metrics, which by and large look like a grid approach to. To saying, all right, here's one level, one axis. Let's say the x-axis, you've got your uh, your ability levels, and on your y-axis, you've got your ability to pay levels. And now you can you can award aid scholarships based on the predictability of people who fit into a given category. That was completely blown up, and we had no idea if we just switched to a new way of awarding scholarships, would we over award? And some institutions made a deliberate choice to be conservative, and some you know, rolled the dice, if you will. And we rolled the dice and luckily we didn't break the bank um, in doing so, but luckily. No, I, UK had the same, same issue. They, there's a December one. And again, I'm, I'm freely talking about university of Kentucky, which is in our you know flagship R1 university in our state. And, and, you know, I really have a lot of great feelings about UK. My daughter goes there right now. Mine so too. yeah, exactly. Um, but they have a December 1 deadline, and there are certain programs within the state that get their automatic presidential based on certain – the Governor Scholars Program, um, the Gatton Academy, Craft Academy, some of these schools where they go for two years at a university, and then they have a status. And within that status, they get the automatic presidential, which is full tuition. But – when they changed to the test optional grid, more students began to qualify. Mm -hmm. And this year they had made a statement 
And I know my end, I understand their end. But the statement is, it's kind of like a sooner for better. Or wait. Yeah, like a VIP deadline or the uh, the the priority the deadline. Sooner, the sooner the better language, which right. really freaks me out because that means December 1 is not soon enough. And you, know, you know who else uses that language, Reeves? Black yeah. Friday ads. <laughs> Yeah. deadly serious like, yeah, I mean, like to me right. that's you got to be at the store at four in the morning if you want the led tv at the price in that we're advertising that's a very good point it, it, and, and i and i had you know i'd send to texas our reps it, we're pretty tight and everything and i'm like i just want you to be aware of the panic you're about to cause <laughs> and and i do understand their point of it which is more people qualified and there's a limited amount of money and then I'm like all on top of it. Like, well, anybody I work with, get your app in, get your app in now. Just like, just like Black Friday. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I, I don't hate that on the college side, right? Like, I mean, getting, yeah. And, and that's the thing about application deadlines of any sort. They really only do one thing. They influence applicant behavior. And and they do so through either fear or some other motivating motivation uh, motivational point. I Absolutely. mean, I think it's tough. I think it's tough for any deadline, and and we run into this at Mason with let's say our financial aid prioritization deadline. We had a long conversation about that because truly, sooner is better than later for purposes of funds that expire, and 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 you know, need based aid fits that category. It as does. Well. Yeah, that's 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 true. It's um, it's just difficult when you have a a grid format. Yeah, and you you turn your application in on time and you don't get the scholarship. Uh, absolutely, and that that's the de the definition of on time then needs to change because and this was I mean how many times have we discussed this at NACAC the idea of what is the first date that you can do something like open an application right or the last date that you can do something. Right. Um, if you and, and and consistently throughout it, the the notion is that if you if you have a deadline, the deadline needs to actually be your deadline. Right, and you know, for for listeners, I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, this conversation really does kind of show how test optional is harder to figure out internally and externally than you know. If you're wondering why it's so daggone confusing, it's because nobody has it really figured out yet when it came on so fast do you do you think schools this is way off this is way off the rails all right but do you think schools who are kind of like regretting being in this TEPS optional position and wish they could just go back but then there's a lot of social pressure not to just go back like you know what we liked life better when we just had test scores and whether it's IVs or other selective type schools any thoughts Let's, on that? I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on that because so so many times, if you were to look out in the in the marketplace and look at all of the various operations uh, for admissions, uh, and you find a process you don't like, I guarantee that that process you don't like is because it is easier for that school to do what they need to do. Right? There's an operational reason behind it. Mason's no different. Mason, I mean, any school is 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 going to fit in that category. And there are absolutely all over this country, I would say people within the admissions office who are trying to look for 
reliability uh, and predictability out of their applicant pool and just not finding it right now and are longing for the sweet old days when either a fewer applicants applied because there was yet another barrier for them to do so or another hoop for them to jump jump through or another way to doubt themselves and what their what their where their abilities lie uh, or just even a way for them to to filter the spreadsheet and say all right I'm not going to look at anybody below this line uh, and I, or I'm going to I'm not going to have to look at anybody above this line because I know they're, they're of quality. So so the question is going to be to whether or not you're going to have meaningful change here with those people is if they can start to see that that change is producing a different type of value for their institution. So, for example, Mason, during that same period that I talked about where the difference between when we were one in 10 admitted test optional and one in four test optional. Right. We saw at the same time the diversity at Mason jump over the, the midline, which is to say we became a majority historically included or historically excluded population institution um, uh, and instead of a minority one, right? right? So we're about 55% non-white now at Mason over that right. same period. Mm -hmm. Do you think it takes time for schools to see with test optional policies uh, retention rates that have not dropped and and graduation rates that have not dropped. Because I when we interviewed Chris Gage when he was at Hanover College, they 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 did see great results and they've been mm -hmm. test optional for a long time. How what's your what are your thoughts on where that data is heading? Yeah, well well the the Mason data is that they are actually they don't retain quite as well as students who were admitted under with a test score, right? Mm -hmm. But by, by a couple of percentage, percentage points. For example, in Virginia, we have about an 88% overall retention rate, test optional about 87%, right? So it's within, it's within the lines. I would, I would frame that question a little bit differently. Okay, please, please because do. Because yeah. I, I think to those, or rather I would, I would give a different answer than maybe what you want me to give, which is to say, I think colleges and universities have to reconsider their role in retention when you do this type of work. Right. Because those students, it's not that they need more. They need different. And you have the ability to provide that level of different on your campus um, without sacrificing who you are. So, so I believe that, that at the end of this, if we're expecting retention rates to hold steady, I don't believe they will. Okay. Right. I believe that, that it, but in the, at least in the short term, but if you if an institution is smart and thoughtful and actually desires to be that change, then over a five year period, you will see that get better because the institution is changing and evolving. And that also goes back to the role of the university itself, period, and why you exist. Absolutely. And our role in, in some level of remediation, some level of, of intervention in terms of crisis. And because that's the other thing is that these students generally, and you mentioned this in, in sort of, Joel, when you were talking about the things you were hearing, the mental health challenges are off the charts. Oh, yeah. Right yeah, now. Absolutely. For us too. But but even before that, they were they were headed that direction. Um, and so so we, we have, the, we, we look for everything to be univariate in our data analysis, right? Like give us, give us the smoking gun, the one thing that we can point to, the one killer class, the one data element, GPA, ACT, and it doesn't exist at the scale in which we're dealing with. Chris, I want to I want to talk about a different perspective. Okay. The the test agencies themselves. Any any guesses 
David, as to what they're thinking right now in test optional world? Um, um, that's a great question. It, it, so their CFOs are thinking, how do I diversify my revenue streams uh, in the absence of this pretty big one? That's a fact. I think there are um, there are questions about uh, relevance and the types of information that a, a, a modern admissions operation is going to need to consider that might be different than two or three or four subscores. Um, I, I also think they're trying to anticipate what five or ten years might look like with um, with with other types of of. I'm thinking like the AP factor within College Board and how AP might play a role in some of this differently moving forward. But but in the in the final analysis, I also think that there's probably some well spun up PR operations. In fact, we've seen them, and some of our colleagues who we know and love have called them out on them on this thing, um, just to to convince to 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 make the case that they're still relevant, and we should expect more of that communication out of them. And I don't know if if. People in our business know this, but parents and students and, and educators in high school world may not. But ACT and College Board make a lot of money on on their data and purchasing names. A lot more money on that than actual paying to sign up for the test. But if you don't pay and sign up for the test and put in all those data points, then that information is not as valuable. And that's where... That's where they make a ton of money. What is it like? Fifty cents a name? Fifty-five cents a name? It, it it can fluctuate, but you're not out of the ballpark. You know, somewhere in the let's say thirty thirty-five to fifty-five. Oh, okay, all right. So here here's here's the thing, right? So this this is so I had a my son, my oldest son went to college, uh, is a freshman now at Mason, uh, and and I and so sometimes people ask me about my commitment to test optional, and I'll I'll say, well, my son is attending college. He did not take either the ACT or the SAT at all, and at all went and he took the PSAT and that was it. I think David Hawkins' daughter, maybe. I think he may have told me that she did not take an ACT or SAT. Period. Right. My 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 junior, my my next in line, my my high school junior is saying to me, "Do you think?" That, that this will hold on. And Joel, to your point, <laughs> please, please. Like, yeah, that, like, they're like, I really don't want to take this test. And I'm like, and I'm reflecting on like, I don't think I've badmouthed college board in this house. Like, I don't think I've, I, I really, but they have, they've got this distrust of this test. It is very real. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with, with kids. I'm trying to, here's how I've tried to kind of frame it because mentally, when they don't get to, when when my, when I advise not to send a score, it's like you're you're like telling them they're stupid. <laughs> like it's like, well, you know, your score's not good enough, so don't send it. And and the way I've really tried to phrase this with students is, here's how. Listen, we're gonna send them the minimum amount of information they need to get you what you want. And if they're going to give you all of this with your GPA because you go to a good high school and you get good grades. And that's all we're going to send them. And I've, I've tried to, and I've, I, mean, I've, I believe that as well, but I've tried to have that conversation with students. I mean, that's, At times it can feel like the colleges are looking for a reason to keep you out, right? I mean, that feeling I think is, 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 is where at least my kids have started with. And, and that, the test score is a part of that. The test score is like, well, is this going to be the reason 
that they're going to keep me out. Right. Let me give you a scenario, if this, if I if you will indulge me. And this is this is a real scenario. And I I texted my uh, my my friends who worked in some private schools across the country. I'm like, all right, what do I do? So here's the scenario: um, white male, Catholic high school. Um, you know, great kid, great kid. Um, composite 32, applying to Notre Dame. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm kind of borderline. Like, 32, maybe your test optional. Because I haven't had, I've had 35s, you know, Notre Dame likes that. I haven't had maybe 34s. I haven't, I can't remember anything lower than 33. And I mean, we don't have tons of students who apply because um, you're talking about, you know, Midwestern, nice kid. Sure. Again, white male, well-resourced family. You know, it's not, I mean, they're not like self-pay in a place like Notre Dame, but, you know, well-resourced family. Chris, you're telling me a 32 may be a negative on that kid's application? That That's exactly what I was reacting to, too, Joel. Are what sort serious? of world is that? Yeah. So yeah, my buddies, KCD and uh, Stanford Online School were like... We, we went back and forth. Like, we couldn't, couldn't quite decide. So on one hand, we think, you know, that's just not going to cut it. On the other hand, if he doesn't send it, well, they just think it's worse. Well, you know what's interesting about this conversation, too, is, is it's purely about the one piece, which is will you get that piece of paper with admissions offer? Yeah. Do you think, based on what you know of this student, Chris, would this student be successful at Notre Dame? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He'd be class president. I mean, he's, you know, that kind of guy. This is the thing that I'm talking about, though. So, so there's the offer of admission, which is important, but it is somewhat disconnected from that question of success. And, and I, you know, we talk about that. We only want the people who will be successful here. Yes, and you want to create a vibe and you want to create a cohort and you want to create all of these other sort of intangible benefits in your process, because the reality is that there is there is a lot of uh, of, of students there are a lot of students who get rejected who would do exceptionally well at a lot of these places. Like, I mean, do you know how many white Catholic boys from Northern Kentucky, Greater Cincinnati area are applying to Notre Dame? Like, you could I'm fill gonna, up you could fill up their freshman class with Notre Dame. Not zero. In that not situation. zero. It's higher than it's higher than zero. <laughs> lower than a million. Right. Okay. Good. Got to get a range. Yeah. But um, do they want to? Right. Is the question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know the number, you know, in the past. It's well, yeah, I mean, and that's 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 more than a great score. Phenomenal. Right. A 32. Are you kidding me? Probably going to get well funded at a number of of institutions with that score. Well, yeah, because I made this comment on text. I should never repeat things I put on text, probably in a podcast. But I'm like. Well, I mean, if he doesn't send it, he's screwed. And if he does send it, he's screwed. And my buddy's like, you know, a well-resourced guy with good family and education probably isn't actually screwed. I'm like, fine, right. uh, fine, right. fine. I'm in, right. I'm in my first world problem right now because it's my duty to help this student, you know, go to where he wants to go. And, and when it comes down to it, you know, may, may end up choosing a school that, that has a lot less debt and is a better fit in, in many ways. Well, but that's the question the thing. is still there, though. The question is still there. Do I send my score or not? Uh, indeed. And, and I mean, and that's where you get back to the gamification of the process and, and how, 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 how that, that has somewhat negatively affected 
multiple outcomes. I, I think they, they it, it is an interesting question, though, um, as as you as you think about trying to uh, counsel at scale on something like that. And you talked at the beginning, Joel, about how you were feeling like students were maybe looking a little bit more regionally or close mm -hmm. to home. I think that's more of a pandemic effect than a test optional effect. Uh, but I think that phenomenon is also going to have a tail to it as people start to conceive of different types of institutions, because some of the, a lot of the perceptions that are wrapped up are perceptions that are based in the students who previously have selected those types of schools and the success they've enjoyed there. Right. So the, the if you say, all right, well, I have a 32, who uh, ACT student who is now going to, to the University of Kentucky in an honors college or something like that, that starts to get a little bit more value uh, around the cul-de-sac. I think you'll appreciate this one. A couple three years ago, I had two, two, two kids both applying to uh, Vanderbilt and one had a 35, one had a 31. 31 um, was, well, let's see, this would be too much identifying information, I guess. High, high character like high high character like like clearly an ally to lgbtq uh just great great kid the other kid also a a great kid um but the character was just like amazing so i did a counselor call and said you know just want to know how my people are reading and everything i'm like i brought up this person's name and i'm like basically i get a little fed up and i'm like look man this is like if if this is the best i've got if if this kid's not getting in, then, you know, you're not going to get people from my school. Probably it's just, it's not going to happen. And then, and then they're like, well, you know, who is reading? Well, <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Like you're reading right. two digits. You're reading two digits. Are you kidding me? And they're like, no, he is reading. Well, I'm like, what? You gotta be out of your mind. Yeah. But, well, that's hard to read. Right. You know, like, like that, you know, that, that's valuable information you have it's, yeah. and it's hard. And, and it, that's what I got to tell you that I've historically worked at Publix, right? So I, I haven't yeah. had to get into the soup and a lot of these things like you're talking about, but you know, it, it does feel at a certain point though, that when it comes to things like character uh, or even grit, which is a very important thing, mm -hmm. but very difficult to measure and, and, and certainly hard to reflect. I mean, you, you, the, the folks making these decisions, I do feel for them because they have to kind of kind of have to work through some things that are not easily pulled off the page like that. Um, but that's where that's where the relationship comes in. And if you're privileged enough to have access to someone like yourself or or another like counselor, then you become privileged in the admissions process, too. Very true. Joel, what questions do you have? Well, I, I, have, I just see you. I, I have several, but. Let, let me throw two at you. So we're looking into the future at, at our podcast. Test blind, fad or potential trend? Oh, I suspect it's a fad. Um, I, I think I also don't think I, I, I like the multiple categories. I really agreed with what you two said in the earlier segment of two, two categories. Do you need my test score or do you not need test my test yes, score? Test yes, test no. Right. And, Make a t-shirt. Yeah. And it's, and, and cause who cares how you're going to use it? 
you're you have to you you're telling me I have to have it in order to get a consideration. So, um, which which in and of itself is then it's either it's just test blind or not test blind at that point in time. Right. Um, Another question I have, and I never thought about this. I listened to a webinar a couple weeks ago. Um, Akil Bello from Fair Test and Adam Ingersoll from Compass Education Group. They were talking. Uh, Chris told me to to log in because um, he couldn't make it and he wanted me to do research. And so because I care about this podcast, I did. <laughs> Chris was hanging out with me that day, by the way, just Pro- so you know. Probably. <laughs> so uh, one thing I didn't think about was that there are still states where uh, the state legislatures have it as law that public colleges within their states have to have test scores. Um, is that something that is is likely to change um, as this test optional craze continues or, or what do you what are your thoughts on that? Wow. Well, I guess, you know, to a certain extent, maybe it depends on on how well or not this could become a uh, frontline culture war issue, because then I think perhaps it would become very attractive for many state legislatures to, to do that. Short, short of short of that, I've always felt as though um, if you had to have your legislature get involved in a curricular or academic issue at that granularity, that that's that's a pretty sizable failure. Uh, to get to that point. And I thought about this on the transfer credit side too, where leg- and this is a place where I think well-meaning and well-intentioned actions have, have happened, where legislators have had to get involved to say, hey, you need to figure out how tra- credits transfer between all of you. Here's how we're insisting that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So so on the on the test score side, I'm sure you'll see a handful that'll be somewhat involved in, in that process. But I, I, I think by and large state legislatures, we're going to be dealing with different issues than that and prioritizing different issues moving forward. Okay. Chris, you want to ask our final question? I will. All right. Open your crystal ball, David. Five years from now, where are we in terms of test optional admissions? What happens to standardized scores? Point of clarification, if I were to open my crystal ball, it would break and all of the good stuff would spill out of it. So I don't know if I'm willing to... Gaze, oh, wait. Gaze, gaze into, into your, your crystal, crystal ball. ball. All right, I'm going to look I'm going to look lovingly into my crystal ball and all see right. five years. All right, so can I start with what I hope happens and then I think I'll tell you what I will happen. Yeah, no, that's that's I think that's how we basically operate this podcast. So yeah. Awesome, that's, that's, awesome. We hope perfect. it goes well. But no. <laughs> I would I would like in five years for this to have some sort of massive data dump amongst these last two years where where test optional test blind have proliferated right a shared sense of 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 commonality between institutions where we we actually all kind of maybe like peek into each other's disaggregated data and uh, or rather aggregated data and and learn a little bit about how these students are performing in the hope that we can shed some of the the previous baggage on this topic baggage like no it's about success or baggage like no, we we count on this to to predict certain things that can't be predicted otherwise. Hopefully, we have a treasure trove of data to, to do that. I also hope, and this is one that you know, I don't. This will be a I don't know if it's a bomb to drop, but it's certainly a topic we could have talked about. The idea of lottery and and a sort of a minimum qualification and lottery approach to to how it, I hope somebody one high profile institution does some sort of experiment. Rick Clark has that. mentioned that concept before. 
from Georgia Tech. Not that they would ever go that way necessarily, but he has he is he's I think he mentioned made a comment like that on this podcast. Well, it, it's so for those of you who may not know what that means, right? So it's the idea that there's some sort of minimum threshold in which a certain number of applicants can progress in your admissions process, but then the final decisions about who gets admitted is somewhat left to chance. Um, with with a lottery approach. It's it's a terrifying concept for people in this line of work. I'm not sure culturally the college side is ready for that yet, but I'd love it if in five years, at least one person has the guts to do something that looks right. like that. Now, Mason's got an admission rate of 88%. I'm not sure we're that type of institution to do it, that. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some Somebody ultra selective or moderately selective. Man, dropping knowledge on the Get School podcast. <laughs> Thank I you. We, Thank I you think so we got much. Schooled. We did get schooled. That's the point. <laughs> I, I feel schooled and my LinkedIn is now lighting up with all these new connections. So thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Let's take a let's take a break and then we'll get back to our four lenses and potentially what the next episode might be about. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Chris, let's hit those four lenses to address our listeners for this podcast. If you are an independent or school counselor, instead of going the uh, you need to do your research route, I'm going to advocate in this episode advocacy. Speak up. Ask difficult questions. Hold the colleges you work with accountable for transparency. How many students submitted with test scores and without? Exactly how many students were admitted in each group? I I don't even know what direction to send this, but these should be required fields in the common data set. It takes voices like ours to protect our students and keep them properly informed. If you're at a university, this is a general comment for all universities. Why is it that every time something is meant to make things easier for students or better for students, it just causes more confusion? This semester, I've heard of multiple types of test optional, test blind, test flexible. What does it all mean? I joke with parents all the time that the only thing that is consistent about college admissions is that there is nothing consistent about college admissions. But why is it even okay to make that joke? Uh, Universities come together as a college community and let's standardize no pun intended, what test optional means for everyone. Uh, And then while we're at it, we'll work on some other things too. All right. Uh, If you're a parent, as Joel just mentioned, for some reason, the colleges in America don't simply listen to this podcast and change all their policies. Surprised. Uh, Know that this is not a transparent process like it should be. Agonizing over this decision of submitting or not submitting is probably not worth the anxiety it creates. Students who have resources and can get into a college shouldn't be distressed about getting into that college. The future is bright regardless. Finally, if you're a student, the title of this episode is to submit or not to submit. And indeed, that is the question. Make sure you're clear about what the policies are regarding test optional for the colleges to which you are applying And if it helps, talk to someone in the admissions office directly about it. As for the question of submitting or not, take a look at your score. Take a look at the middle 50% for the previous class. See if your score will help your application, hurt it, 
or if it seems to be a neutral addition, talk with your school counselor, admissions counselor, etc., and make the decision that you think is best for you. And if you're a junior or younger, keep your eyes and ears open. The rules may be different for your senior year. And if you're a teacher, you need to understand that times are changing. Your students will have to navigate these additional minefields. Optional, flexible, blind, merit scholarships, what's it mean for those? While applying to college, which is an already very stressful experience. Make sure to direct them towards their college counselors to help them make an informed decision. Uh, a test, ACT, SAT, PSAT, which may have been perceived as a big deal in the past, might be less of a big deal today. So make sure to adjust your instruction accordingly. And with that, that was our four, nope, five lenses for today. Yep. And so as we wind down this episode, let's finish up like we always do with Chris's words of wisdom. Chris, what do you have for us today? This episode's words of wisdom revolve around one of my favorite concepts, both in a secular and biblical sense. It's the concept of grace. And it's actually been following me around for a while, just appearing randomly and sometimes when it's most needed. That, that alone is interesting. What I want to talk about this time, though, is grace for yourself. Perhaps as a parent, you're worried you didn't handle this right or that right. Maybe as a counselor, you feel like you aren't living up to your personal standards, likely because everybody wants a piece of you at all hours of the day and you can't keep up. Or maybe you're a student who feels like you could have studied that extra 20 minutes. Whatever it is, we have to give ourselves grace. Uh, frankly, I'm, I'm tired of pushing and pushing and pushing we do to ourselves and those around us. It's, I mean, it's why I hate class rank, U.S. News and World Report college rankings, and even the thought of 4% admissions rates. All those things and much in this college admission process pushes against personal satisfaction and health. Whatever it is, Give yourself graves. Parents, it's hard to be a parent and nobody needs you to be perfect. Maybe teaching that having flaws is the real lesson anyway. Counselors, you're the ones you you're the one person doing great work. Or you are just one person doing great work, I should say. Uh, if people don't like it, send them to me. And students, keep challenging yourselves, of course, but stay healthy and happy. That matters more than anything. And remember, you can always listen to Get Schooled on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. You can follow us on Twitter at at GetSchooled3, at AskMrReeves, and at TheMrFord, TheMR4D, and on the internet at AskMrReeves.com slash GetSchooled. Joel, tell our listeners about our next episode. So we're going to take a look at the admissions process itself. Uh, many schools seem to have either different processes, different criteria that they're looking for in prospective students, which leads to issues of equity and most basically general confusion on the process. So let's streamline the process, overhaul it, make it more equitable. If you think family income plays a role in higher test scores, and it does, even according to ACT, what about recommendation letters from teachers and counselors? Or what about polished essays? We know colleges need something to evaluate and admit students, but what is that? We're going to take a deep look at how one large college system in the United States does it, 
and just maybe fix college admissions for good. That's next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. I gotta take a drink. Me too. Yeah. I didn't need to take a drink, I just took one to feel part of the group. expressed by the hosts of the Get Schooled by Reason Ford podcast are their own and are not necessarily representative of any groups or schools to which they belong.